Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports for Dummies podcast. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Lewis Pierce, and we discuss all things that are happening in the world of sport. This week, we're joined by someone else. His name is Reese Silver. He studied at the Leeds Trinity University, and once he moved from Stratford in East London to Leeds, he never left. He's since built his own brand called Elite Step and he has more than one gym. He's got Elite Step, but he's also got the Strength Box Leeds. He's got a background in loving sport and being quite good at it himself, including football and boxing. And from that experience, he's now become a strength and conditioning coach for fighters and non-fighters, including Grant Smith's fighters from Steel City Gym, including Sonny Edwards, Dalton Smith and Janaid Bostan, just to name a few. He's a very determined individual who's just released his first podcast, uh, the Be Elite podcast. He's got so many great ideas and he's motivated and I'm really excited to see what the future holds. We really enjoyed this conversation with Reese, and we hope that you do too. Here is that interview. Reese, to kick things off, we're going to rewind back before sports. What was your childhood like growing up? So my childhood was pretty wild, to be honest. Like, look, at the time, I didn't really think much of it. But when I tell people stories about it, it's kind of funny. So essentially, and I hope mum and dad ain't listening to this, but I'm sure they will at some point. They basically, my mum and dad hated each other. So they're a lot better now in terms of that. If there's an event on my little nephew's birthdays or anything like that, they can tolerate each other. But growing up, they absolutely hated each other. So for most of my childhood, we were kind of in like a, in the middle of a parents' wars, which was it's amusing to look back up now. Um, so yeah, that side of things was quite funny. I grew up in East London, so I'm from Stratford. Um, grew up with my mum and my older sister. Um, and then when I was, how old would I have been? I think about 12, we moved out. Um, I moved in sort of with my mum, my stepdad, and my sister stayed in London, and we moved to Harlow, which is sort of in, in Essex. Um, but pretty pretty regular childhood, to be honest. Good fun. Um, played football growing up. Uh, just all all the usual stuff, like nothing extremely good, but nothing terribly bad either. Just pretty pretty average childhood, to be honest. 
It's quite funny that you describe your parents hating each other as being funny. <laughs> oh, I think it's so funny. Yeah, I don't think people understand it, but I think it's like looking back, especially, I find it hilarious. Some of the stuff that I say to them sometimes, I'm just like, imagine being with someone, having a kid and hating them that much. I could never like imagine it. And then I'm always curious to like, if I could go back in time and see, like be a fly on the wall when they were actually like getting together and actually got on because that would blow my mind, just because I can't imagine it. Well, they do say there's a thin line between love and hate, so you never know. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. I say, I say to them, like, they only ever done one thing right, and that was me. So not even my sister, just me. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> talking about you then. Uh, obviously, you mentioned there that you played football and things when you were younger. Yeah. Where did this love of sport come from? Was that in your early childhood? Were you good at it at school, and is that why you went in that direction? Yeah, I think so, so... I've always loved football and I can remember my first ever memory is kind of when I got my first Arsenal kit and uh, I hope you've seen me before, I'm only small. So you can imagine when I was little wearing like, I think like a five-year-old kit because it was the smallest size, but I was only three. So the socks came all the way up to my hips, the shorts were down to my ankles and that's sort of my first memory of having an Arsenal kit. So I'm a big Arsenal fan. Um, I don't really know where it came from because none of my parents are particularly sporty. Um... My dad's like not good at sport. He likes to claim he's good at sports, but his friends say otherwise. Um, so <laughs> he always says that he was really good at football and that's where I got my ability from. But his friend's story is that he was just a goal hanger. So well, I don't know. I take it with a pinch of salt. So I'm not really sure where it came from, really. I just really remember loving football growing up. It was like, what well, it still is, like my biggest passion. I'm a massive Arsenal fan. I go and watch Arsenal like as much as I can still. Um, going tomorrow as well. Like go to a lot of the away games now because I'm based up north. Um, but to tell you the truth, where it came from, I have no idea. And I was always just really good at football um, from like a really young age. I was always just sort of levels above sort of like local level. I was always the best player in my team at a local level. And so as I started getting older, moved on to like academies and things like that. But I'm not really sure where it came from. You're not one of those could have turned pro, but I got an injury, are you? No, no, no. no. I, I go for that. Could have, could have turned pro, but I was too small. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Football's a weird one to crack because you, you often meet mm. so many people in school. I had lots of mates at school that were pretty much projected for like top clubs and going across Europe and stuff. And actually very few did. One of my mates is now a top professional mm. for Chelsea. But apart from that, most yeah. of them unfortunately don't make it because such a hard world to crack. So obviously you're involved heavily now in boxing and MMA and stuff. And I was going to ask you, was that an interest too? Because I think that's certainly MMA is a sport which is on the rise in popularity. But say when you mm. were growing up and certainly in my generation, it's a sport that hasn't ever really been that popular. So how did you mm. get involved in that? And was that something in your childhood that you also took a liking to alongside football? Yeah, I can remember um, <clears throat> watching a few of the big fights when I was really young and getting to stay up late because there was a big fight on. So that was always mm. exciting. Um, I can remember like dressing up in my dressing gown, pretending I was doing ring walks and stuff like that when I was really young. Um, I can imagine so it. I can, yeah, I know, yeah. So I remember, I think my first memories of boxing was probably like Nassim Hamid fights, staying up late to watch them and just being like very intrigued by it. And then in terms of taking part myself, it always just intrigued me in terms of like preparing to fight someone. It's just the weirdest thing. So I've always been interested in that kind of psychological part of it. And then, of course, that sort of led to getting more interested in the physical side of it and actually prepping it, which then led to what I do now. So I guess in hindsight, as a little kid, it was almost on that path to doing what I was doing now, but without really even realising it. Um, so I've always had an interest in, in those two sports. 
I started training it more so after I gave up football. So about 18, I just wanted to, because of the competitive side of me, I wanted to find someone to something to almost fill a gap of football training. Because through my teens, we were training like two, three times a week, playing games. So to go from that to nothing, I just wanted something else. And uh, boxing sort of filled that gap for me. And I just got interested in it even more. MMA less so. I don't remember MMA really even being about until I was older. So it was mostly boxing for me. And then MMA was a much newer thing. I actually watched a video for you back in 2015. You were fighting a guy called Liam Edwards in an IBA fight and you knocked him out in 11 seconds. And I wanted yeah, to that's, ask that's you... my highlight reel, that one, yeah. Yeah, that, that was... A, I would say that is one of the hardest punches I've ever seen, so I'll commend you for that. You, you That was yeah. a really... That was that was serious power. Had you ever thought about going pro in boxing? Is that something you'd ever weighed up? Because obviously, clearly, your football career, like it was going to take off and then maybe it didn't, mm. how, it didn't go how you hoped. Had you weighed up that boxing route, potentially? Yeah, do you know what I did? So... When I was about 20, we, I started taking it really seriously and we'd, we'd been on camps away and um, like in Marbella and things like that. And it was something in the back of my mind. And then I remember sparring with a couple of kids who were just about to turn pro. So they hadn't even fought pro yet. And I got my head absolutely punched in and I thought, this is not for me. I thought the levels of this is so high. So then I was like, right, I know my level now. I'll do more of the unlicensed stuff and leave the pros to the people that are actually good at fighting. So what makes a fighter a fighter, in your opinion? Mm. Ooh, it's, a broad, a it's a broad question, but if you say in there that you kind of were in a, in a room with people, you were mm. getting your, your face bashed in and you thought, uh, no. Fighters mm. <laughs> might be in that situation, but they get through that and they want to still mm. do it. They get punched mm. in the face, they want to get back up mm. again. Mm. Yeah, see, I enjoy it. I enjoy fighting. Like, for me, it's the number one, like, the ultimate test. Mentally, I enjoy anything that almost breaks me mentally. Um, and I feel like fighting and preparing for a fight and going through camps, having the days where you have a terrible spa and you think you're the worst and having the good spas and you think you're the best. And then even fight night itself, warming up, hearing the knock on the door, you get the countdown right, you're fighting in five minutes right, you're ring walking now. Like, that really excites me, the mental battle of preparing to fight someone. Um, but it was just that I wasn't quite good enough for that. So that's why I did the unlicensed stuff, because you can essentially still have those same feelings, but it's just on a scale where it's more to your level. Um, so I think that would apply to most fighters, really, that, well, one, they just wouldn't get as hit as much as I would from a technical standpoint anyway. But I think that kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, that almost willingness or the the excitement of having that mental struggle is probably something they all, rather than sort of collapsing under, they really enjoy it and thrive on it, that pressure and the expectations and a little bit of arrogance that they love that it's just them in the ring. And when they win, it's them who gets applauded as opposed to being as part of a team. I think a lot of fighters have, have that about them as well. Um, but I think the main thing is is the mindset. I think they just enjoy the pressure, enjoy the the mental battles and they thrive with it as opposed to the average person would probably just collapse under it. A lot of people will know you from the boxing world. Um, a lot of people. A lot so of well people, known. yeah. You are Mr. <laughs> strength and Conditioning. Um, but for people who don't know, what is Strength and Conditioning training? So this is going to sound so big-headed as well. I don't like... I'm a strength and conditioning coach, but what we do, and like myself and others included, 
is so much more than just strength and conditioning that I kind of don't really like the term, but it's what everyone knows it as. So what essentially it's getting fighters physically and mentally ready to fight. Um, obviously inside the gym, that includes, you know, getting them stronger, fitness-wise, getting them fit so they can get through a 12-round fight. But we do a lot of stuff outside of that in terms of movement, in terms of like their, their sleep and improving their sleep where they don't have a nutrition, we'd cover like the nutrition side of things, stress management, that kind of thing as well, because a lot of the fighters, some of them, especially at the lower level, still work as well. So they've got to balance, you know, the stress of work, stress of life. So there's a lot within that strength and conditioning banner. And that's why I say I don't like it, because it, it almost makes it seem like all we do is strength and conditioning, where, as I know, there's some really good coaches out there who do a lot more. Do you reckon you hate it as much as some boxers hate being called journeymen or journeywomen? Probably, yeah. yeah. I'd say so, yeah. I'd say it's probably the equivalent, yeah. Wow. It's interesting hearing someone like you, you know, a, a coach that's so interested in the psychological aspect. I think I you get so obsessed, especially if you watch, say, like films, it's always about the training and how much you eat and how much you do, you know, all those sort of things, rather than thinking about that mental aspect. And it's really interesting that you talk about the fact that, like, the thing you are most excited for is getting the knock on the door and then you go out into the ring. It's that mental build-up is the most exciting. That's really interesting. I think it's more important, to be honest. Um, mm. I think, obviously, you need to be fit for the round strong enough to do what you need to do. But if you were say slightly underprepared physically, if your mindset's strong enough, you can, it can carry you through. Whereas I don't think if you're slightly weak mentally, I think you'll get exposed at some point. Yeah, I think it definitely comes out, doesn't it? I mean, me and Hope mm. often joke about the YouTube fights or whatever. And that's a whole different conversation. But in terms mm. of general boxing, I think as you often see, I mean, again, that's what I was going to follow up with. So obviously in 20, February 2016, which isn't long after you've done that fight with Liam Edwards, mm. um, you then set up Elite Step. Can you kind of explain what Elite Step is? Because you've spoken about conditioning and performance. Yeah. What is Elite Step? It's essentially a brand that helps fighters specifically prepare for their fights. So... Within Elite Step now, we've got our own gym. We've got like three employees. Um, by April, there'll be three people sort of working under the gym brand and under my brand. And essentially, it's helping people reach their physical mental peak. Now, I specifically train, well, all my clients are fighters now, so I don't train anyone else apart from fighters. But the brand and everyone under the umbrella, we, we train general population. We train footballers. We train basketballers. Um, there's various things going on, but... Basically, if you want to be the very best you can be physically and mentally, then that's where we want to get you. And what we try and do is not just look at it from a training standpoint, but holistically, right, what does performance actually include? It includes your training for one, your nutrition, and all the things we spoke about before it includes how well you sleep and it includes your ability to manage stress and it includes your mindset as well. So what we try and do is put programs together that helps a person develop in all those areas in order for an outcome. And the outcome doesn't always have to be sporting. Obviously, through the fighters, it is because it's fight night and then they get bigger and bigger. But even from a general population standpoint, they might be only doing like, well, I say only, they might be doing a marathon, they might be doing half a marathon, they might be doing like a 6K run, which is a lot for them. Um, and we just try and put them in a better position to allow them to do those things. You mentioned that you're based up north. Um mm -hmm. I don't want to say the word again. You might have a go at me, but you're not the only strength and conditioning. <laughs> I say that in inverted commas, um, gym or place mm. in the area. I mean, you've got boxing mm. science with Danny Wilson. You've yeah. got a few others as well. 
what step what stands out about what you do compared to what they can offer why should a fighter choose to train with you i think it's all um just slightly different approaches i would say um like i know the guys at boxing science really well and we, we kind of speak quite a lot we help each other out and that sort of stuff um i think it's just like anything there's a lot of different things going on so i think it will come down to personality of the coaches who does the person prefer like some of my clients prefer me over someone else but some who i don't work with might not like me at all so i think it comes down to a on a personal level who who resonates with what you're saying uh, i think coaching comes down to whether you can click with someone um there might be some people who I won't work with, and I never used to do this. When I was starting out, it's almost like you take anyone who comes to you, trying to build and develop. Whereas now I'm very specific with who I work with because I need to have that that bond almost. If I'm going to get the best out of them and they're going to give me 100% commitment, then we need to get on on a personal level before anything else. Um, and then I think from the actual technical side of things of, of what we do as S&C coaches, I think it just comes down to different sort of, ways of of doing things like there's not a singular right way to do things and there's not one thing that's bad but there's different approaches and i think they would come here because they like the way that i do things or they might not come here because they don't like the way i do things um so i think they would be the main two things the personal level and then the approaches of getting them from a to b so me and Hope are going to sign up tomorrow then? Yeah, we'll have to do a part two, but live in the gym where we're, uh, we're doing it mid-rest <laughs> yes. or something. Oh, brilliant. That'll be loads of fun. So you, you mentioned there, Reese, about the fact that you've, you're you obviously very specific now with clients, but you also have worked with people other than the, in the world of boxing. Mm. So I was, going to, I was going to say, very cool fact that on December 22nd, one of your clients, Peter Thompson, broke a world record for the most consecutive double unders crossovers while skipping. How do you train for something like that that is so specific and niche? Because I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that was that was really cool, actually. It was something completely different, like you say. Um, Peter messaged me maybe about six months or so ago, and he was um, talking me through, like, he went to come in and do some testing, and I was like, wow, this is... I said to him as well, this is completely out of my comfort zone. I'm not sure I actually have any clue of what, what I'm doing here, but I can do some research on it specifically and kind of put some ideas down, discuss it with Dan, who's the other coach here, and see what we come up with and he's been training me for about four months or so now and yeah it's it's completely out of your comfort zone um but it's pretty cool as well to be involved in like a guinness world record um so it's almost like i'm learning on the job a little bit with that one but at the same time it's almost i think you should always do things like that anyway because even though i'm working with fighters one i don't know what the future holds so if i can sort of widen my horizons and get more knowledge in different areas it's probably maybe at some point going to help me out anyway but two it helps with the fighter stuff anyway because it's a lot of jump training a lot of like ankle and footwork and plyometrics which they use anyway so I've almost been trialing things out on him seeing how he responds seeing how that actually helped and if it does work then sort of implementing it in a few of the other guys and maybe some of the amateur boxers and see how they get on and who knows like in a two months, three months, that might be something that I've tried on him that now I actually think is really good and put it in most of my programs. But yeah, it's at this point, I'm still not really sure I have a clue exactly what I'm doing, but it seems to be working. I mean, next week, you're going to probably have someone trying to stick too many nails in their face or wear as, as many clothes <laughs> yeah. as they can, like all these different Guinness World Records coming <laughs> in the gym. Yeah, um, he smashes it as well, to be fair. Like he, um, I think he wants to try and break like another two at least. And I think he's got a couple already, so... 
it is just you don't realize how niche like what niches there are out there until someone like that obviously gets in touch which is pretty cool yeah madness um also talk to me about the the strength box leads because okay you've got elite step but that was obviously your first baby i imagine and now you've got this this new thing tell us about that so yeah so this is my brand as well i guess it's it's under elite step but the reason i changed the name of it one was because i've had that name written down for like i think like 10 years (laughs) <laughs> I just been a, in a little notepad. I was like, oh, it'd be cool one day to have my own little spot and call it the strength box. So that was one of the reasons. Um, but the second reason was I didn't want it to just be about me. I wanted it to be about different people coming in. So as I mentioned, Dan, who's got his own brand, um, doing SNC, he's here now. We've got a couple of more people. One of them's just started in the start of uh, January. There's another one starting next month. So I didn't want it to be just about me, but I wanted to bring about everyone and a few different peoples under one umbrella. So that was kind of the other reason why I named it something different. I wanted it to be a little bit separate where it was less about me and more about all those coaches in their speci- specialities coming together in one sort of performance hub. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a cool little studio actually. Pretty small, but big enough for what we need. Um, um, as I said, we're all about performance. So even if you're a general population, we're here to help you perform. So we're not a typical weight loss gym. Um, I always say to our clients that your weight loss and the aesthetic side of it comes as a, a knock-on result of doing the other stuff. But our main priority is to get you stronger, improve your mental health, improve your mindset, get you sleeping better. Even so, especially for the general population, like helping them with work-life balance and even just in terms of progressing in life a lot of our clients have quit jobs and started new careers and I've got about currently got two or three of them the younger guys who have kind of realized that they're in jobs they might not like as much and they're just doing their coaching qualifications now as well they're coming in doing some like shadowing with me as well and building up that side so sort of helping them out with with that and their branding and marketing and putting together like five-year plans of what they want to do in their life away from the training side of things so we like to think we're doing stuff a little bit differently here as opposed to just a normal gym where you come in and it's all about the the physical side of things the thing is people don't always realize but coaching and training are totally different things aren't they oh yeah yeah 100 percent. i think it's like the information's not not the issue and i think that's what training is because they could go on youtube and find like a lower body workout upper body workout they could buy a program online but the coaching side of it is that hand holding through the whole process and that's what they're essentially paying for. Like they're not paying us to give them information. They're paying us to help them implement that information specifically for them. And I think that's where the training and the coaching is separate, like you say. It's like being a PT in boxing then. That's literally what I say. I'm, I say I'm a personal trainer, but for fighters. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I got that on the nail on the head. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so Reese, you've said obviously, man from East London, right? You got up to Leeds to study in, in Leeds. You're doing journalism, weren't you, 2013? Um, was, why yeah. did you stay in Leeds? Yeah. Why do you stay in Leeds? What was the reason behind that? So a man from London moves up moves up to uh, to the mighty Leeds. Have, have you ever been to Leeds before? I haven't actually, no. I've been past it on to different places, but no, I haven't. Great. You know, you're a big, big fan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're, uh, you'll definitely have to come then because I think if you came, you'd know, know why I uh, stayed here. It's just a cool city. So especially from uh, when I was 18, I first came here. And I just loved it straight away. It was like almost like bright lights, which is weird saying because normally you get that if you go to London, but it was the opposite mm. way around where I came. Everything was like close 
together. Um, everyone's a lot more friendly. Um, and so I just, yeah, I just loved it straight away. All my best mates are pretty much who I met at uni as well. Um, it's just a cool city. It's small. I quite like small places, um, but there's a lot going on and there's a lot of different stuff going on as well. Um, and I'm basically like a northerner now anyway. I've been there for so long. So, um, yeah, I, I love it here. And like you say, if you came up once, you'd probably be like, yeah, I understand why why he likes it so much. Yeah, my dad's having a scouse, so I get, I, I can completely understand. I get it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Reese, how did you yeah, go from fun. journalism to, as you mentioned, being a personal trainer for fighters? It's a funny story. So when I was at college, like I didn't really know what university was. Um, none of my family had gone. Like mum and dad hadn't gone. I think my sister gone. Think, but I wasn't really sure. So I didn't really know what uni was. And I remember one of the days at college, everyone was um, doing their UCAS forms or whatever it was called. And one of the tutors said to me, like, oh, have you done yours? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So she sat me down for, honestly, it must have been six minutes tops. She said, right, you should go to uni because that's the next step of education. Um, what are you good at? So I said, oh, I'm, I'm good at sports. She was like, no, you can't do sports. You need to do something that's like a career. Uh, I was like, well, I'm quite good at English. She was like, right, okay, here you go. There's sports journalism. There's four unis that do them. I'd consider applying for that. So I did. That was it. That was my uni, whole uni scouting mission in about six minutes. But where else did you apply for them then? Out of the four, I it was between Leeds and Southampton, Solent. And I went to Southampton, Solent, checked that out. Didn't really like it. And then came up to Leeds with my stepdad. And it was a full day sort of taster where they showed you around the campus and things like that in the morning and then you learn about your course in the afternoon um so the morning was great looked around the campus and it was really good we went to like the first half an hour of the uh the sort of course side and then i looked at my stepdad he looked at me and was like this is quite boring isn't it? should we leave so we left um and i just applied anyway i was like yeah lead, lead seems cool the campus is cool i'm just gonna go there but I, I had no interest in the course even from then um so uni was more because i enjoyed leads enjoyed living away from home obviously going out the social side of things and it was just right let me do the bare minimum to try and get a degree out of this at the same time because i enjoyed living here so much so then as soon as i finished it that got my degree i thought oh, that's probably going to help me at some point just having a degree i went and worked at thames water back home for a little bit um and then i didn't really know what i wanted to do i knew i kind of wanted to go into the coaching side of things but because i'd done all my football coaching badges by that point as well and i'd been coaching kids for all, since i was young um and i knew that was something i wanted to go into but and then i had the ideas of elite step and getting into that because i was training fighters at that time as well after uni um sorry i was fighting myself so that was in the back of my mind and then i went to new zealand for two years lived there um, and I was like, right, when I'm back, then I'm going to crack on with it. So I came back after two years and then just started getting on with it. You've had some clear challenges, and I think we can talk about those in a minute. But mm -hmm. what have been the biggest highlights? I think I'd have to say, so when, uh, from a career standpoint anyway, one, opening the gym, because that was always like an end goal of mine. Um, funny enough, the second thing I think was getting through covid just because that was just a mad period where obviously gyms closed, lost all my income. I had about, I think I had about £600 in savings that I used to pay my next month's worth of rent. And that was it. I had no money. And obviously gyms were closed. I didn't really know where money was coming from and things like that. So getting through that period was 
I'd say his second achievement. And then I'd say when Sonny won his British title, because British title, when I was first initially sort of thought of this, that was like, I was like, oh, if I could ever win a British title with someone, that would be like the top top thing for me. So that I'd say that as well. So, of course, you're mentioning Sonny Edwards there. Um, yeah. He's one of Grant Smith's fighters out of the Steel City gym. You trained quite a few of his fighters. You've got Dalton Smith, Janaid Bostan. Yeah. And how does that work? Do you have a setup with Grant that you're like, right, I'm the guy they have to come to, not anyone else? Mm-hmm. Or, or how does that relationship come about? Yeah, again, it's like, it's it's a people thing, isn't it? So Grant's always been, because some SNC coaches have some horror stories about um, boxing trainers. And I've only ever had one bad experience with a boxing trainer that I won't mention whose Duh. name or anything like that. <laughs> But <laughs> that was the money one. Happy to tell you the story, but we'll we'll leave names out. But um, Grant's always been really open to like S and C and new meth- methods. Like you know, Grant, he just wants the best for his fighters. Um, and so, for initially, when I went down, it was more of a case of seeing what they currently did. Because of course, you don't want to go in somewhere and then ruffle feathers and be like, "Oh, you're doing that wrong. Actually, you should be doing this." And so it was more just go see how they currently do things, what runs were they doing, what was their training week looking like, and slowly over time just putting in my ideas. And when you start to build trust and that relationship, then slowly just saying, all right, what about this? And now it's a case where if I say something to Grant, he's like, yeah, if that's what you think, I trust you, let's, let's do it. Um, so, But he's been from day one, he's, he's really open to all that kind of stuff anyway, and he's been very welcoming um, and always let me have free reign in terms of what I want to do. Um, so I think I've been quite lucky in in that sense. Yeah, Grant is my favourite person in boxing. Sorry, Reese. I just think he's a, he's a lovely oh, man. He's I'm a sorry. legend. If I'm gonna if I'm if I'm gonna lose, I don't mind losing to Grant because I think he's my favourite too. He's so. great. He doesn't do any interviews though, unfortunately. Um, in terms of the boxing side of stuff as well, obviously Dalton's got a fight coming up that boxing mm. fans will know about. Um, what changes have you made with his training? If you can reveal anything mm-hmm. with you since his last fight? So we've had a slight change around of our training week, actually. So it's something we wanted to implement a little while ago, but there wasn't, it wasn't quite the right time. Whereas now we've had a little change around. So essentially what I was doing before, when I saw them on a Tuesday, Thursday, we were doing strength and then the conditioning straight after. Um, so all we've done now is just to kind of balance the week out a little bit more, prioritize their sparring days a little bit more so they're more fresh for those. We've just moved conditioning onto a separate day. So now they do that on like a Monday afternoon. Um, and it just means the week overall is a lot more balanced. They feel more energized for their sparring, which is like the most important thing they do all week. So that would make sense for them to be energized and at their best for those. Um, it means that in their strength session now, they can go a little bit harder, a bit more motivated for it because they know once I'm out of the strength session, that's it. I'm not going to do conditioning straight after. Mm. And then it also means that they're conditioning. We can push them a little bit harder as well. So we're actually able to get more out of them from the same input. And actually they're recovering a lot better as well. So that's all of them. But Dalton obviously is um, because of moving up the levels. It's even more important for him to be doing things like that. Um, and then it's just the case of like Dalton's always in the gym anyway. So he always, he lives really well outside the gym. So he's not like fighters who blow up and the first few weeks need to get a base bill and, and dropping pounds. Like he's in a good position most of the time. And obviously with his, with Grant, his management team, they sort of plotted out the year. So we've plotted out the year from a strength side and, you know, we know where we need to 
be at our best over the next 12 months and we know where we need to sort of bring it back and just making sure that we're not overdoing it too soon in terms of where fight dates are, like you say, February one coming up, making sure that we're, we're ready for that one and that we can sort of look ahead moving forward as well. And so, Reese, what are the, what are your hopes then for the rest of 2023? What are the dreams? What are the goals? What are the plans? I'm seeing it as more of like a transition year for me in terms of I've got a good brand now and a good base. And now it's almost like taking it to the next level. So it's all about employing people for one, which I've I've done now. So there'll be four of us here um, and getting them all settled in and getting accustomed to now like paying wages and things like that. Um, and building it more so, building the demand. So we're sort of like oversubscribed for it. And we've got like waiting lists and stuff like that. But just transitioning to that, to that next level now where um from a business standpoint i'll have other people doing some of the stuff that i don't have time to do now and i can really put all my energy and focus into the guys like you say at steel city who need it because they're at a high level um it means like even if i can go and watch sparring more often and help them and be there more often so i can help them a little bit more than i do now um that's kind of where i'm at now so i'd like for the end of this year just everyone settled in the gym that's growing um and from a business and time standpoint just be a little bit better than where I am now well Reese, I feel like we could speak to you for hours I mean I still had like 20 questions to go but we are running <laughs> out of time and I, I know that you're a busy man and you've got a lot of people to train so I just want to say thank you so much for giving us some of your time today um a really interesting story I'm glad you had a hilarious childhood <laughs> <laughs> and Reese, before we before we go quickly, I had one last question, right? Because we only got we literally have a minute for people listening. Are Arsenal going to win the football uh, Premier League? Yes or no? Oh, I don't. No, don't. I don't. When there's ten, you know, when there's ten games left, I'll start to let the hope get me. But I don't want to set myself up for the crushing <laughs> when we actually meet. So I'm trying to keep reserved now, but. When there's 10 games left, I might get overexcited, but oh, I hope so. I'll be coming to you for, for a question and answer at that point. I'll be ready for it. 10 games to go. All I'll right. bring it on. 28, okay? All, All right, right I'll be waiting. <laughs> what an absolutely awesome interview that was. Thank you so much, Therese, for coming on. And we are really, really looking forward to that boxing session that is soon to come up in Leeds. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please do leave it a like. If you're watching on YouTube, leave it a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope and I will be back very soon with some normal content, back with the three biggest stories of the week. All the way from niche levels of sport to the international news of the week. We'll be back with you very, very soon. Have a good week, everyone, and keep your eyes on the prize. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.